Hello and welcome to the Conflict Skills Podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator, Simon Good. In this episode of the podcast, I'll be talking about a question that I was sent, how to disagree with a boss's idea. I'll summarize the email that I was sent and give a few examples so that we can focus on a specific situation. But even if you're working in a different context, I'll sort of just talk about the different factors that you might consider and some options for responding. Before we get into that, though, if you've got a question or a situation that you'd like me to discuss in the podcast, you can send me an email, podcast at simongood.com. Thank you so much for listening. I sometimes get asked, how can I support the podcast? Just giving us a positive review or sharing it with someone else who might, you think might like it um, is all that we would ask. And thank you so much just for listening and you know, for spending your time sort of engaging in the content that I present here. So this was a question that I was sent, and I'll basically read the email that, that came through. I, I'm always not sure about whether or not I should use people's real names, so I might even just say if you'd prefer me not to use your name in the email, definitely say that. Uh, but if you'd give me permission to use your name and to share the email on the podcast, I suppose that would be a helpful thing to know ahead of time as well. Otherwise, what I tend to do is just de-identify it. Just, I don't know, it's probably just my training as a mediator. I don't want ever to have something come back and, um, I guess, hurt the person who's asking the question. By the way, if you'd like me to talk about the... I can still remember one time I accidentally broke confidentiality during a mediation. And if that's something that you're interested in, I'd be happy to talk about some of the details around that, as well as what I needed to do to manage it. It's a really tricky thing, confidentiality, whether you're a manager and you're stuck in conflict with two other staff or you work in HR or it's working with a client. I sometimes think that there's unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves to be able to keep something confidential. I guess that's fine if there's no ongoing conversational communication, we can just do nothing. But let's say you've heard something from someone about their ex-partner, they're going through divorce and you're working with both of them. I guess the idea that you'll be able to fully maintain a perfect poker face at all times and never disclose anything is something that yeah, it's probably not realistic. So I, I don't think in that example, perfection is something that we should necessarily aim for. And in fact, it might cause us a lot of stress once we realize that we can't be perfect. And the same thing would be true for something like disagreeing with a boss's idea. Although I'm talking through options and my hope is that it will provide you some additional tools to add to the communication toolkit. What I'm not saying is that there's a right or wrong way to deal with this, or that everybody needs to do something and communicate the way that I do. Um, you are aware of your unique situation, you know the people involved, and you know what you're up for, you know what capacity you have at the moment, and you know what your goals are. And so I, I don't ever want to come across as saying, like, you must do this. As I talk through these kind of questions or situations, I'm really just doing it with the goal of presenting additional options that you might consider. So let's go with Sarah <laughs> in terms of the name from the person that sent the email, and I'll read the, the message that they sent related to the question. So, you know, some kind words at the beginning about liking the podcast so far. And then the question is, what do you do when a supervisor at work proposes a specific way of doing something that you know will not work. I'm looking for tactful ways to point out this sort of issue and propose an alternative route of action without seeming like I'm not respecting my boss. So I, I think that's probably, at least for me, very effectively articulated that dilemma that you're in. You're wanting to put forward an idea to raise another option, probably also to talk about some problems with the plan that's been suggested, or ideally have a logical discussion about which option might work, um, but not seeming like I'm not respecting my boss. I guess that's an interesting phrasing, and of course if I were meeting this person in, in person, I might say, what do you mean by without seeming like I'm not respecting my boss or disrespecting my boss? The challenge with being assertive is that it's in the eye of the perceiver. So a lot of people struggle with being assertive because they're worried either about coming across as aggressive, too full on, and the other person feels like they're you know, being a bully at worst or being abusive or just being too firm and dogmatic and you know, giving ultimatums, etc. Or they might come across as being too passive, that someone else might watch them, like their boss, for example, if they're in a leadership position, and they might worry that you know an executive manager thinks that they're being too lenient. And so a lot of the mistakes people tend to make when they're being assertive is that they have a knee-jerk reaction to one of those two extremes, and so they tend to overcompensate. If you're worried about being walked over, maybe you've had challenges managing other teams where you've been the team leader, then it's possible that you might come in and be too over the top and maybe come across as aggressive with the new people that you're working with. Now, underneath it actually is your own apprehension about maintaining your authority, but of course they never know any of that. So in terms of not coming across as disrespecting my boss, I guess the comment that I would make there is that you're actually not responsible or in any control of how your behavior is perceived. What you can do is strategically respond, take an appropriate course of action, and effectively minimize the chance of coming across as disrespectful. But depending on the boss, <laughs> depending on the kind of day that the boss is having, depending on the other things that are going on in the boss's life, if they're going through a divorce or they haven't slept because they've got a newborn baby or they've just lost a loved one two weeks ago, um, it might be that your behavior is interpreted as in a way that you did not intend and to you it might seem unfair. So that would be the first thing to consider is, well, what are you actually in control of here? And it's what you say and what you do. Something like, I don't want to seem like I'm being disrespectful. The focus has to be on what you say and what you do because seeming like you're disrespectful is ultimately not something that you're in control of. 
The other thing that I would ask is, well, how do you want to come across? And when you say that you'd like to propose an alternative route of action, what do you mean by that? As I cover in conflict resolution training workshops that I run, the first step underneath any conflict, to my mind, is to consider your goal, what's most important to you, and how does that connect to other goals that you've got going on at the moment? So before we even got into the strategy of how to raise the issue with your boss, I would suggest you consider what are you actually hoping for. It sounds like you want your boss to change their mind and do what you think is the best plan, uh, but what else? Do you have a promotion that you're applying for at the moment? You're just about to ask for three weeks leave at a time when it's particularly difficult at the organization you work. Do you want to have a good relationship with your boss, or is that not something that's actually so important for you? Maybe this is a temporary arrangement. And so if your goal isn't an ongoing relationship, then you can afford to be a lot more assertive in terms of the way that you bring up this alternate idea that you've got. So consider your goals for you in terms of both the conversation or the conflict that you're dealing with, as well as outside of that, like maybe you're going through a tough time in your relationship at the moment. And so you're not wanting to add extra stress to your plate or your kids have got a particular challenge that they're going through and you want to be supportive. And a lot of people don't realize that if they spend their emotional energy dealing with conflict, like they raise an issue and the boss loses it, well, that's going to cause them stress, which impacts their ability to be a good parent, for example, or a patient partner, or, you know, commit to goals that they've set, like a fitness goal. You go home, you're stressed out, you eat half a chocolate cake <laughs> instead of that healthy salad that you had in mind. So what are your goals, both to do with this conflict and outside of that, and what are the factors that are within your control? I sort of said that you're not responsible or in control of how someone perceives your behavior, but there will be different options that you have for influencing the situation. And just pausing and considering these for a moment can be very empowering. For example, you could send an email, you could go in and talk to your boss, you could talk to other people in the team and find out if other people have um, concerns about this plan that your boss has come up with. You could raise it with their boss, you could go and look at your policy and procedures and see if there's any guidance, organizational wide give it for this. You could just tolerate it and do nothing and just accept that. You could gently put forward the option, you could do it more assertively, you could try and reach a compromise, you could engage your boss in a collaborative problem solving type of exercise. All of these are valid options, and all of a sudden, when we realize that there's a number of different ways forward, it helps us to not feel as trapped. All of a sudden, then we have a you know a few different choices to consider, and then we can come up with which is the best one, sorry, which is the best fit for our goal, rather than just jumping into the default, the first idea that came to mind without going through this brainstorming exercise. The other factor that you'll probably need to keep in mind in these kind of conversations is de-escalation skills. In a moment, I'll talk about how to raise the issue with your boss, but if your boss is just going through a really stressful day, or they're a high-conflict kind of person, or maybe they've had three or four other people complain about this topic unbeknownst to you, so when you raise it with them, it pushes their buttons, it's possible that they'll escalate, even if you communicate clearly and effectively. So you might need to go back into de-escalation mode. I've talked about de-escalation skills in a previous episode of the podcast, so you can go back and revise the tools that I talk about there if, if you need to. But when I'm raising an issue, it's almost like I've got one foot on the accelerator and the other foot ready to jump in on the clutch and change gears if needed. Um, I'm raising an issue, I'm being a but if my goal is to collaborate with this person, I need them to uh, be to some extent calm and to feel in control and feel safe because if their fight or flight mode gets activated, then the subconscious lower section of their brain takes control. The rational front section of their brain responsible for higher level thinking is not at full capacity, which means that if my goal is to engage them in a rational, logical way, I actually need to calm them down first. It might not seem fair. It might not seem right. They're grown ups. Shouldn't they be responsible for their own behavior? Yep, sure. I guess ideally that's true. <laughs> what you're dealing with is a choice between two, two bad options. <laughs> um, you can be assertive, not de-escalate the other person, which means they're probably likely just to become very defensive and resistant. They're not going to see the logic of your ideas because in the moment they can't. Or you spend time unfairly calming them down, even though they're a grown up and they should be responsible for their own behavior. That's the strategic choice that you might make to spend that time as an investment because it will get you to that outcome that you're hoping for. I often say to people, yeah, sure, two adults should be able to sort these kind of things out. That makes sense. Where did you get that idea from? Have you ever met any adults? They're typically not very good at dealing with this kind of conflict. So for you, if I'm saying to you, you need to de-escalate your boss, you might have an idea that that's not fair. They get paid a lot more than me. Shouldn't they be able to manage their own behaviors, blah, blah, blah. And whilst in principle, I completely agree. And I feel exactly the same way dealing with my own adults that get upset and I need to calm them down. Uh, at the same time, if the goal is important, then de-escalation is something that's worth doing. So instead of just continuing to give them more facts or convince them why they're wrong or their idea sucks or whatever, I would probably start to give them a sense of autonomy, status, control, uh, which is likely to then calm them down. I would speak using a tone of voice and body language that's non-threatening as much as possible, sending the message that it's okay, we can get through this, it'll be all right, we can manage this, this situation's in hand, uh, we can come up with some options, let's just think about the best way forward. Uh, the way that I speak and the way that I sit or stand will be things that are really important to consider.
So I, I sort of consider all of that as a bit of a, a given. We think about our goal, what we can control, and then think about de-escalation skills. In terms of setting up the conversation, choosing the right time and place would be really important. And typically I'd suggest choosing somewhere private. If there's an option not to have other people around, or at least let them not be able to hear what you're saying, then it will decrease that sense of pressure that you both feel. For me, when I'm going to raise an issue, especially with someone who's in authority, I like using what's called a short fuse appointment. This is where I say something like, hey, you know, I was just wondering if maybe sometime today I could touch base with you around, you know, the, the roster that you've just developed or some of those job descriptions that you've sent out. I don't expect it would take long, but you know, you've got five or 10 minutes, maybe sometime this afternoon. I call it a short fuse appointment because hopefully it's later that day. At the longest, it's like tomorrow morning. And my hope there is that they don't have this stress of a meeting sitting there for a week if they realize that there's a bit of resistance that I might be coming in to try and get them to change their mind. If they don't know what I'm going to ask them, then the longer I leave it, the longer further out we schedule it for, the more likely it is that something else will come up and it will get pushed back or something will get worse in the meantime or the idea will be entrenched before then. At the same time, I don't usually like to go in and say, hey, I wanted to talk to you about this. Can we do it now? What I've noticed is that when people feel put on the spot, especially if they're busy at work, then that added sense of pressure tends to elicit an escalation, which means that when we raise the issue, we get someone a bit more abrupt and short than we might if we said, Look, would you prefer to schedule this later this afternoon? I could come by around 2.30 if that suits you. So a short fuse appointment is the way that I tend to do that. Choosing a private place, maybe in the morning, if you think that it's going to be a contentious issue. If people, you and they, your boss, have both gone through your workday, it's been kind of stressful. By the afternoon, you're probably carrying a buildup of adrenaline and cortisol, which means that, again, you're faster to escalate. So I'd, I'd do it in the morning if possible. Of course, all of that depends on the, the um, situation that you're dealing with. The second thing to really pay attention to is the phrasing and the tone that you use. So in terms of the voice, we should speak at a slightly lower volume than normal, use a lower tone than we might normally, and speak at a slower speed. So low tone, slower speed, and lower volume, that would all be factors that tend to make the other person or help them to calm down and facilitate that de-escalation. In the phrasing, what we would want is to be as deferential as possible. Now, depending on your goal, this might not be needed. Maybe it's perfectly fine for you to come in and say, look, we've talked about that before. I've explained the problems with this. We can't do it. Like if you're at the point where you're about to quit, then maybe being more firm suits. But if you're raising an issue for the first time, I'll do it very gently. Hey, I was hoping to touch base around the plan for, you know, the roster for next month. And would that be okay if we just spend a, two, a couple of minutes talking about it? It doesn't have to be right now. We could organize a quick call. I can come by your office after lunch. Um, you know, we could um, maybe hang around after that meeting that we've got this afternoon and talk about it then. What would suit you best? So I'm trying to come across as deferential, respecting their authority. And what I'm wanting to do is give them a sense of status and a feeling like they're in the driver's seat. I don't want them to feel like I'm dumping something on them, that they're on a train going down a hill that's picking up speed and picking up speed. I want them to feel more like there's a door here and would they like to come through now or later? What would suit them best? In terms of raising the actual topic once the conversation begins, I would do it in a mutual and neutral way as much as possible. So you've explained that you'd like us to do this. That's the fact. That's true. They've explained that you want them to do this thing. I wouldn't say something like, look, I understand that, you know, we've got this dumb idea about doing this or, um, look, I just think there's a number of problems with that th that roster that you outlined last week first. I mean, if we raise it by saying, look, there are a number of problems with this, of course, it's going to trigger defensiveness. It's better to do it in a neutral way. You've sent through that roster and I've given it some thought. Look, I've been considering the timeline for this project that we've got starting next month, and I wondered if maybe it was fine to leave as is, or maybe there's some options for tweaking. Um, you might have already thought of these ideas before. Would it be okay if I walk you through what I'm thinking? So you've explained to us that you'd like us to do X, you'd like us to do ABC, you'd like us to do this. Then the next thing I'll do is acknowledge or summarize that. I can see the logic, I can see the purpose, I can see what you're wanting to achieve. So look, I've just spent a few minutes reviewing that roster that you sent through last night. Um, actually, for a lot of it, I can see that it makes sense. We need to have you know, two site managers and three of these different contractors on the site at all times, and I can see that you've achieved that. So either you can emphasize the effort that they've put in, or the fact that it's sound in some other way, or there's some logic behind it, or even just summarize what it says. Look, I understand that first you're wanting us to do this, and then this, and then this. And it sounded like from your perspective, that would save us some time on the back end, or reduce material costs, or whatever the underlying reason was. So the first step in raising the issue is actually summarizing their perspective. This is what you've asked us to do, and it seems like this is the reason. Then we want to give them the chance to, I guess, correct anything that we've got wrong, add anything that might be needed. Our goal is to some extent clarifying what the plan is, but the more important goal is giving them that sense of control. If I say to them, look, it sounds like you're wanting us to do this. Have I got that right? Have I heard you correctly? Is there anything that you would add to that? Or has anything changed in the meantime? And then the next step is that we need to sort of mention that we have another idea, that there might be a problem with this, that there's another option. I tend to do it again in a very deferential way. So I say something like, look, you might have already considered this, but I'm wondering if Da, 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 might cause an issue. What, what do you think? Like you might have already considered this, but I'm just wondering if having this person rostered on four nights in a row might cause an issue. What do you think? 
So I'm sort of acknowledging their expertise. You might have already thought of this before, or I might be missing something here, or I'm not sure maybe other people have come to you with the same feedback. The thing I was just wondering about was this. So I'm trying to minimize the sense of what's at stake. If it seems like a massive deal, if I'm connecting this to the fact that they're a good or a bad boss, then it's very unlikely that they'll be willing to change their mind. <laughs> Whereas if they think this isn't such a huge drama, they can just go back and revise the plan. It doesn't have to be the end of the world. There's no, your status is not at stake here. Then it's more likely that they'd be willing to accept the, accept the alternative. So I personally find that to be a useful way to do it in a lot of cases. Look, you might've already thought of this before. I, I don't know, this might not work for a reason that I'm not aware of. I was just wondering if this might be an option. And then as quickly as possible saying, what do you think? What are your thoughts about that? How does that sit with you? You know, do you think that might be something that we could consider? Um, so we raise the option in a way that comes across as not critical, as neutral. It's just, well, there are these options on the table. Which one do you think might work better? And lowering the sense of what's at stake. The last thing that we might do is invite the, off the boss's choice. So first I would say, look, this could be an option. What do you think? And so we're basically just discussing the pros and cons of the alternative option that I've put forward or the existing plan. But at some stage towards the end, I might say something like, well, look, I suppose it's up to you. Ultimately, it's your decision. Like you're the team leader. It's for you to decide what would work best. I guess we could leave it as is. And the challenge there might be this problem that could come up. Or the other option would be making these adjustments. Or if you thought that it could be something that's worth trialing, maybe go with that other alternative that I've mentioned. And then I suppose we could set a date to revise it in, in a week or two. What do you think? So I'm saying to them, look, do you want to leave it as is, or do you want to change to this option that I'm considering? I almost always do it in that way because I want to present that as a choice. I don't want it to come across as an ultimatum, and I certainly don't want it to come across as a demand. If I'm telling someone, you need to do this, that will never work. That's ridiculous. You, you must change your mind. Well, it's encouraging them to argue the other side of the coin to come and enter into a debate. And in some relationships, there might be a real focus on the logical, rational factors underlying a decision. Before we can get to that, though, in most situations, and my guess is that you're asking this question about how to disagree with your boss because your boss isn't 100% pure logic, you know, most humans aren't, uh, probably all humans aren't to some extent, um, then you might need to navigate your boss's escalation, their own shortcomings, their own uh, pettiness, their own ego, whatever else it is that you're up against. If your goal is to get someone to change their mind, then first we need to create that sense of connection, give them that sense of safety, which will open the door for them to consider logic and reasons and rational decision-making, engage in brainstorming, and then hopefully make a better decision. So I hope that that's been helpful for you, talking about some of the different factors that I'd consider, some of those examples of how to raise the idea with your boss, and then also connecting it to that overall goal. What's most important here? What are you actually aiming for? Interestingly, as we talk through these options, we often come up with a bit of a plan for how we raise this. A lot of people say, actually, just talking it through, I wonder if maybe there are other things I should be focusing on right now, or just given the fact that, you know, my, my boss is in an acting role and they're only likely to be there for a month or two, I'm wondering if maybe it's something that I can just live with for now, or now's not the best timing. I, I think maybe once the new team members have settled in, then maybe we could have this discussion as a group rather than just a one-on-one, -on -one, which means it's not just me that the boss will be hearing this idea from. All of a sudden, if we step back and just consider the issue in this sort of strategic analysis type of way, there might even be other options aside from directly disagreeing with your boss's idea that come to mind. And so listening to me talk about this example today, you might also have a similar experience where you're starting to just think through additional options rather than just directly raising it with the person involved. Um, thank you so much for listening. Again, if you've got a question or a situation that you'd like me to discuss, you can email podcast at simongood.com. Otherwise, all the best managing the conflict situations that you're dealing with at the moment. Bye for now.